0: podcast, the place where we can talk about how we can be happier, healthier humans and deal with the day-to-day messiness of life. I'm your host, Dr. Emily Amos. So this week, I'm going to talk about this idea that mindfulness has to be something that we go out of our way to practice. And I think a lot of us are guilty of this, that we get really stressed, we get really busy, and then all of a sudden we tell ourselves, I should be being more mindful, which is a really interesting thing to sort of put on your plate when you're already stressed and overwhelmed. I often say when I'm teaching meditation, you don't learn to swim when you're drowning. So this idea that we need to learn how to meditate, we need to come to meditation, all of a sudden when we're stressed and overwhelmed is actually really counterintuitive if you think about it, but so many of us do it. So what I teach and and the way that I approach mindfulness is probably more rooted in what you might understand to be the informal practice of mindfulness. And the informal informal practice of mindfulness is actually just learning how to be mindful in your day-to-day life. There's so many things that we do every day that we just have zero awareness of, we don't pay attention to. I mean, how many times have you driven somewhere and arrived and actually hopped out of the car and thought, I don't actually remember driving here. <laughs> So these default networks of our brain, the ones that create shortcuts for us, which are really amazing because imagine how hard it would be to have to relearn how to brush your teeth every day. These shortcuts and pattern recognition, they're actually really, really helpful. So they do make our lives easier, no doubt about it. But the problem is that sometimes we can just sort of come to rely on them and we live our day-to-day life just going through the motions of these patterns that we've just learned and of course neurons that fire together wire together so the more we engage in certain patterns of behavior the more that these patterns will be reinforced and the more deeply those behaviors and thought patterns actually go into us and it just it's like the ruts in the road so in yoga we call these samskaras the idea that you're sort of the wheels of your cart go down a a muddy road. And over time, if they're going in the same ruts over time, they just dig deeper and deeper and it becomes harder to actually divert your cartwheels out of those ruts. And so there there are samskaras in yoga, but these in sort of neuroscience, this is our default network of our brain. And while it is helpful in a lot of ways, it's incredibly unhelpful if we keep engaging in patterns of behavior and thought that actually are causing us harm or not serving us and so we do need to bring some awareness to these things and try and change them at some point if if they're causing us harm and this is where mindfulness comes sort of into its own but like i said earlier <laughs> mindfulness becomes very easily just another thing that we need to do and Chances are when we're stuck in this default network of our brain, we're actually already struggling. You know, (laughs) our brain is doing these uh, sort of default networks, engaging in these patterns of behavior that we don't have to think about because we're feeling overwhelmed. So when we notice that we're feeling overwhelmed and that we're engaging in this sort of automatic behavior more often, maybe we're snapping more easily. Maybe we're just not even noticing things throughout the day and we get through the day exhausted but almost like the days just passed us by. And so at these points in our lives, it is actually a bit harder to come to mindfulness, which is incredibly ironic because that's when it's most helpful. So I talk a lot about finding mindfulness in the mundane. And the mundane is for most of us all day, every day. <laughs> I'm a mum, so there's a lot of mundane in, in sort of, Parenting and, and in that life. And it can be really easy to start to feel bogged down in it and like there's no escape. So, this morning I was making school lunches, and you know, school lunches don't really fill you with that much joy. <laughs> they're, they're pretty repetitive. And it just occurs to me every time I'm doing it that as soon as I make this lunch, it'll get eaten and I'll do it all again tomorrow. <laughs> it's just this endless, non stop, I guess practice that I, that I have to engage in, which doesn't always bring me much joy. And what I was noticing this morning was that I, I was just noticing that, you know, it was just feeling a bit meh. And, and so I tried to make it a really concerted effort while I was making the kids lunches to slow it down, to take a breath, to actually notice what it felt like when I was, I was cutting up grapes Notice that cool sort of slimy feeling of the grapes and then I was cooking some meatballs and noticed the smell of the meatballs, the sound of the, of the exhaust fan as I was cooking them. There are little triggers in all of our lives in even the most mundane of tasks that can actually we can hold on to and like when we meditate and we sort of hold on to the breath or the sounds and we use those anchors to bring our awareness back into the present moment We can do that when we're performing some of these mundane, repetitive kind of tasks. Another really good example is is washing the dishes. And I find, so I actually do surgical assisting as well. And so I find that I do a mindful scrub where I scrub my hands before I go in and get kitted out to to be sterile in the operating theatre. And I find slowing down and actually sometimes closing my eyes, sometimes not, but just really noticing what the soap feels like on my hands, what it smells like, and then looking down and sort of noticing all the bubbles and the suds on my hands. And th- this is a pretty simple task. You know, there's a pretty specific procedure to doing a sterile hand scrub for th- for theatre, but you can change it purely in what you notice each time. And doing the dishes is actually pretty similar. You know, you can it's a pretty simple procedure. You put in the warm water, put in the detergent, and then you just go through whatever pattern it is that you wash the dishes. I'm, uh, I'm pretty particular with, with how I wash the dishes, and I make sure I wash the cutlery and glasses first and then plates last and then the really dirty pots and pans last. And I can laugh at myself and think, yes, it's funny you've got this pattern. But when it comes down to it, it's actually not sort of the overall practice of washing the dishes. It's each dish. It's each moment, each little scrub of the scrubber feeling the soap on your hands. You can slow down any practice that you do and you're doing it anyway. This is where mindfulness in the mundane actually totally comes into its own because you're doing these things anyway. You may as well be mindful about it. It doesn't have to be another thing that you add to your day. You don't have to sit on a cushion for 20 minutes Or you don't have to get to a yoga class. You can just pick something that you do every day. As a GP, you know, we come in and out of our office quite frequently calling in the next patient. And because it's a repetitive sort of action, it's a really great trigger for mindfulness. You can, as you go to the door, to open your office door to go and call the next patient, you just stand there for a moment, hand on the door handle, feeling the cool of the the metal under your hands, maybe feeling the the friction of the floor under your feet. It's just about stopping for a minute or two and noticing where you are. And we can do this anywhere. So I I tend to try and fit, this is, this is a, a parenting hack for you, <laughs> mindful parenting. I tend to try and fit my five or ten-minute meditations in, in the car, either after I've dropped the kids off at school, so I've just dropped them off and I've hopped back in the car, or I've got home and come into the carport, or before I pick them up, I get there five or 10 minutes early and I just sit there, close my eyes. You can do a guided meditation if you want, or you can just sit there. And by choosing to bring mindfulness into what is otherwise routine or mundane tasks, it doesn't become something that you have to add to your to-do list something that you have to fit in later or find time for when you're already feeling stressed or overwhelmed. Mindfulness in the mundane is about making mindfulness just part of your life. And for those of us who are parents, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things that fill what might be spare time in our lives and particularly with younger children you know, babies, toddlers, preschoolers, school-aged, I guess teenagers as well, they've got their own sort of different needs. Every stage has its different needs. Often trying to find time for ourselves can feel like a huge task, like it's just impossible to even squeeze another minute into that 24-hour period, which when we think about it, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person who is guilty of scrolling on their phone when they would otherwise be doing something else. And I convinced myself that scrolling on my phone is actually my way of winding down. But I'm not sure about you. Scrolling on my phone doesn't wind my brain down. It might sort of distract it for a bit, but every now and again, you scroll past something and it sets your mind going and it has the potential to really trigger my mind, particularly on social media. So it's not the healthiest of habits if I'm what I'm trying to do is carve out a bit of space and stillness in my own mind. This actually feeds into that idea we spoke about on a previous podcast about stimulation addiction, where we can begin to feel so uncomfortable with thoughts or feelings that arise for us that perhaps we subconsciously, or maybe consciously, I guess, we begin to seek out to dampen those feelings down or find another thought or feeling that is louder for us. And we want to make ourselves forget about those uncomfortable ones. So we keep doing things like scrolling or eating certain foods, binging on certain foods, alcohol, other drugs, all sorts of behaviours that we engage in. We do it in an attempt to drown out those other thoughts or feelings that we don't want to have. And if we can master the practice of mindfulness in the mundane, so actually grounding ourselves in those seemingly boring things that are happening every day, then those other feelings that are a bit more uncomfortable, we can learn how to just let them fade into the background a little bit more. You know, I mean, they're still there. We're not getting rid of them. We're just noticing other sensations that actually ground us in the here and now. Although grounding ourselves in the here and now can also be an uncomfortable thing, it's kind of exhilarating to always be chasing the next big project. I'm definitely guilty of this. (laughs) I've historically often chased the next big qualification. I mean, I, uh, I thought medicine looks interesting. I'll go and do that. <laughs> got in, got a medical degree. Then I had a lot of different options for specialty, decided on general practice because I liked sort of the idea of being able to do so much, so many different things. I had kids, so I thought, well, I want to know more about kids. I'll get a diploma of child health. I struggled to breastfeed, so I got an f- entire IBCLC, Board Certified Lactation Consultant, training. I enjoyed pranayama and breath work, so I became a registered yoga teacher. And in the years since burning out, I've actually tried to become more mindful of this tendency of mine to just chase the next big project, and that's been a way that I've actually used as a tool to try and distract myself from uncomfortable feelings and thoughts. You know, chasing training and qualification was just a way to distract myself from the uncomfortable thought or feeling of imposter syndrome. I mean, if I had a piece of paper that says I can do something, surely I'd feel better about myself, but I never did. So I kept chasing trainings. So I think this is another important point to make that it can actually be a bit of an uncomfortable realization to come to that perhaps we engage in these tendencies of always chasing the next big thing. And as we become more aware of this natural tendency and behaviour to, to chase qualifications, chase projects, stay busy and avoid uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, there'll naturally be a transition period where weaning ourselves off that tendency to do this can feel com- uncomfortable in itself. So then there comes a lull where not only are we feeling uncomfortable that we've noticed this about ourselves, but there is also a massive void in our lives that used to be filled by doing these things. And I think this is the process that many of us go through. We start to come to meditation or being more mindful. That in the beginning, practicing mindfulness or meditation, it in itself can become a quest for stimulation because we're trying to fill that gap or that lull in our lives. So we come to meditation or mindfulness with this idea in our head that I've got to do it perfectly. I'm going to take up meditation. I'm going to do it for 20 minutes a day. I'm going to do a million guided meditations. I'm going to use this app that keeps track of my practice and I'm gonna log every time I meditate. I'm just gonna do it perfectly. And it in itself becomes its own form of stimulation. You know, still trying to chase that next big thing, next big project, when actually mindfulness and meditation becomes that next project. <laughs> so being mindful of the mundane, slowing down and giving yourself permission to not actually do it perfectly. You know, you're not, that's not what you're trying to do, because you can't actually do it perfectly. <laughs> And there's no goal, you know, you're just trying to do, notice what's in front of you, do it as it goes. And we're not aiming to hit that 20 minutes a day of meditation. We're not actually needing to do or achieve anything. And so we can give ourselves permission to stop trying to practice mindfulness in a certain way. And we realize we can actually fit it into our lives as it is. It sort of slips in in a way that doesn't actually feed that desire for stimulation that so many of us actually have, which is kind of liberating, really. And that is, in my opinion, a really valuable observation to mindfulness because a lot of people, in my both my professional experience in teaching this, but also in my personal experience for myself, but also talking to friends and family. A lot of us come to mindfulness and meditation expecting something. We're expecting to achieve something. We want to know the outcome. But also we then put a framework in place or goals, you know, a task chart of what we need to achieve to then get that outcome. And it just becomes another thing that feels too tedious and overwhelming in our already overwhelming lives. So right now I'm giving you the permission to not do that. And in fact, if mindfulness has been on your to-do list for a long time, practicing mindfulness or beginning a meditation practice, if it's been on your to-do list for a long time, I am giving you absolute permission at this very moment to cross it off because it's not something that needs to be on a to-do list. It's something that you can actually put side by side with everything else that's on your to-do list. You know, if on your to-do list, it did have to wash the dishes, to have a shower, to vacuum the house, to build a website, to whatever it is on your to-do list, look at everything else on your to-do list, cross out, practice mindfulness, cross out, start meditating and work out how you can do anything else that's already on your to-do list in a mindful way so that everything on your to-do list could be done mindfully. The mindfulness itself isn't the point. It's not actually something that you need to achieve and tick off. It's everything that we do in our day-to-day lives can be done in a mindful way where we really slow it down to its individual parts and we focus on each of those individual parts. And I know there's going to be people out there who are listening to me talk and thinking to themselves, I don't have the time to turn a two-minute task into a 10-minute task simply, simply so I can sit there and notice the suds on my hands when I wash the dishes kind of not what I'm saying (laughs) what I'm actually saying is that it really only takes a split second to slow down tasks you're already doing and make yourself aware of them you can actively give yourself that sort of trigger whether it is putting a post-it note on the wall in front of your sink so that when you wash your dishes you slow down or maybe it is putting a little sticker on the middle of your steering wheel saying take a breath or stop and meditate little trigger points that you can actually integrate into your normal day-to-day life, not changing anything in particular, but reminding you that you can then do anything in your life in a mindful way. And this may only mean slowing down for a couple of minutes a day. But in the scheme of things, if you are slowing down for a couple of minutes a day to do some of these tasks more mindfully, and that then allows you to feel more calm and more in balance, At other points in the day where you might otherwise pick up your phone and mindlessly scroll to try and overcome some of those uncomfortable feelings that are really quite uncomfortable to hold, then you're probably either net equal or actually better off because I can lose a a lot of time scrolling, but that time is often saved if I've invested it at some other point in my day in being more mindful. So really, it's, you're not losing time. You're just rearranging your day. And learning how to be mindful of the mundane means that you don't actually have to add in anything else on your to-do list. Nothing else has to come in. It's just picking things on your to-do list that are already there. You're doing them anyway. May as well do them mindfully. And this can even be down to breathing. I mean, I, sit, I lie in bed for a few minutes every morning, I try to You know, sometimes I forget sometimes I'm busy sometimes I just don't want to so I don't but I lie in bed and I try to do 10 or 20 breaths of it's transversus abdominis breathing I've used this is really helpful to help heal my diastasis after having the kids and it's been wonderful but I do it mindfully I lie there and I notice what it feels like in my body you know where it feels like the breath is going which muscles I can feel moving And I put my hands on my belly and I actually feel that movement and I feel how it feels a little bit different depending on how I breathe and which muscles I activate in my abdomen and my core. That's 20 breaths. I mean, it really only is a couple of minutes. And the days that I don't want to do it, I don't berate myself and say, you know what, it's only a couple of minutes, you're an awful person because you didn't do it. I just notice that, you know, I didn't feel like doing it this morning. And in the scheme of things, Life is long, you know. Every time that we do these things that contribute to us being the person, the sort of person that we want to be, you know, Brene Brown talks about this idea of casting a vote for, for our future self, which is just, it's the idea that we've got a couple of ballot boxes in our lives and. The future self one, the one that we want to be, whether it is a more mindful person, a calmer person, more balanced, happy, whatever it is that we envisage as our future self. Every behavior that we engage in today that contributes to that future self is like casting a vote for it. And when it comes to those sort of decision points and transition points in our lives, if the future self box has a lot more ballots in it, we're heading in that direction. If the other ballot box you know the one that we can all imagine is the person we don't want to be maybe it is unhealthy maybe it is that we've lost strength because we haven't actually been working on resistance training or whatever it is in that future self that we really don't want to be the more we cast votes in that ballot box the more when we get to these decision points in life we're heading in that direction and just like any sort of election you know it's It's going to come to a head at the decision points in life but in between those points we can sway it again. We can change the path of that election and we can actually put more votes in the ballot box of our future self that we do want to be. And learning how to actually be mindful and okay with these more boring parts of life which sometimes parenting really is. Sometimes work really is. There's always going to be parts of our life that don't feel new and exciting and exhilarating and that we don't have big projects on the go and we can learn how to actually be okay in those moments, not be uncomfortable, just be the same person we are in the other moments. You know, mindfulness teaches us that there is no real positive or negative emotion or thought or anything. It's That's a false dichotomy to think that any are good or bad they all just are emotions are just emotions thoughts are just thoughts and there's not a spectrum where some are good and some are bad and we want to live our life at the perceived good end of the spectrum that's like saying you know when people you hear people saying that they really they want to not have us not have any stress I want to turn off every all stress in our sympathetic nervous system. We want to dial it down. We want all this parasympathetic tone, you know, the rest and digest phase of our stress cycle, which is totally against the point because if that was what we were like, we'd be sloths. You know, if we were always in this parasympathetically dominant phase of our stress cycle, we wouldn't get a lot done. I mean, we'd digest a lot of food, but we wouldn't actually be able to catch the food, find the food, eat the food. It's, It's really about understanding that balance involves finding that sort of midway between all of this. You know, stress is normal. We're designed to respond to it. It's okay. It's good. But then rest is normal. We're designed to have it. It's okay. It's good. You know, there's we just need to find the middle ground and stop expecting our lives to be sort of super exhilarating and stimulating, which when we come back to it, like last podcast, this stimulation addiction that so many of us engage in in this modern world without ever realising it. And what we're doing is we're just drowning out uncomfortable feelings, whether it is dissatisfaction with our life or feeling overwhelmed with the busyness of life or just feeling bored sometimes that there's not the next project, all these feelings that we have that are normal, we seek to dissipate or to dampen down by seeking out more stimulation. And learning how to be okay in the boring parts is pretty is pretty exhilarating, really. When I did my meditation teacher training, um, my instructor made the comment that when you learn how to meditate, you'll never be bored again. And I didn't understand it at the time, <laughs> like a lot of things. But in hindsight, I can totally see what he was talking about because when you learn how to meditate or when you learn how to practice mindfulness even just sort of in the day to day so that informal mindfulness you're only ever noticing what's already happening you know you're not trying to change it it's it's already going on around you life goes on around us we don't actually have to constantly create opportunities for ourselves we have to be open to them presenting themselves but sometimes that all that forcing and trying to create things happen make things happen can feel exhausting And when we learn how to be more mindful or meditate, we begin to notice what is actually happening. And the enlightening thing is that for so many of us, there's a lot of things happening that we haven't noticed. (laughs) You know, there's been perhaps a lot of opportunities that we've missed over the years simply because we didn't notice that they were there for us. And being able to slow down and meditate or practice mindfulness often we begin to see the world very differently and we see opportunities that perhaps we didn't see before. And the irony of us when we're sort of pre-meditative state or pre-mindful state, constantly seeking out stimulation and trying to sort of force things in the world, is that when we learn to step back, there's so much more going on than we ever realised. You can't possibly be bored. You know, there's so much to notice when we are more mindful. And when we actually slow down and I have found that to be such a wonderful gift that wasn't in the, in the promotional brochure for, for practicing mindfulness and learning how to meditate. And I think that was because when I came to, when I first came to it, I was still seeking an outcome. I was, I thought this will work for this, 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 and I never stopped to think before I burnt out, of course that maybe the process was the point. And since I've started teaching meditation, and so I'm a registered meditation teacher now, I've really tried to integrate that into my teaching, that sometimes we need to actually be slowed down in our in our seeking out of knowledge and learning, that sometimes the role of our teacher isn't actually to, to fill us with more knowledge and to actually get us sort of more stimulated and more engaged, sometimes the role of our teacher is actually to remind us that there is a lot of knowledge within us and that we just need to slow down and allow that to be and and notice other patterns within us that might have been not quite as loud as those default networks and so we might never have really been aware of them. And in slowing down, we start to notice different things about ourselves, some things we like that are easy to lean into, some things we don't like as much and they're a bit harder to lean into, but they're all there and them being there isn't a bad thing. We can hold all of it with equal weight. So I've got a bit philosophical on you <laughs> this week, <laughs> but my goal has simply been to help you see that you don't need to make mindfulness another thing that you do. It can be part of all the millions of things you're already doing and that by being more mindful of the things you're already doing, and perhaps it starts with the things that are easy, you know, maybe you're playing with your kids and you just notice that the sound of their laughter, the look on their face, the feelings within you. Maybe there's some easy things in your day that are really easy to lean into and to be mindful of. Start there. You know, it's, it's kind of like you would not expect yourself just to be thrown in the deep end of the pool and learn how to swim. You start at the shallow end. You start with the easy stuff and you work your way up. The easy way to bring mindfulness in your life is to be mindful of the fun things you're already doing that you enjoy that are easy to lean into. So do that. Start there. Look at your to-do list. Work out which one those, of those tasks you can do mindfully. And then start to ground yourself in other things that you're doing that are enjoyable that you find pleasurable in your day and try to slow them down. know, notice what's going on around you at that time. Notice what's going on inside you at that time. Savor it. Perhaps replay it in your mind for a second or two. Really ground yourself in what is happening in those moments. And just leave it at that for now. As we sort of move through this a little bit more, perhaps we then start to integrate in some mindfulness of the more uncomfortable sensations and maybe even some formal practices. But I'm totally giving you permission (laughs) And I know none of you need my permission, but I'm giving it to you anyway. To take mindfulness, take meditation off your to-do list, integrate it into the fun things, the pleasurable things you're already doing, and maybe try and do a couple of the tasks on your to-do list in a mindful way and leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Just repeat that again and again and again and again. Because the more we repeat these things, these behaviours, these thoughts, these practices, the more they then become our default network. So being mindful then becomes the way your brain defaults. And as we're more more mindful, the way our brain defaults tends to be more compassionate as well. It's a bit easier to see that when I make a mistake or when I fail at something or, you know, when I do something silly, it's a bit easier to see. ah, okay, that's okay. You know, that's everyone makes mistakes. So that's the thought I'm leaving you with this week. (laughs) And I will bring in some more mindfulness next week. We're sort of going on a convoluted journey around mindfulness, but this is this is how I teach it. This is how I practice it. This is how I live it. So it's useful for me. Perhaps it's useful for you too. If you do want to learn more about mindfulness and meditation, then I've, as always, I've got my really simple masterclass. On my website, it's a just a short twenty to thirty minute video that includes a lot about mindfulness and meditation as practices and how you can bring it into your life, and then some really simple breath work practices, which are great for being sort of a a, a pause or a break in your day. So when you're trying to be a bit more mindful and maybe it's getting beyond you, stopping and just having a simple breath work practice that you can engage in can be really helpful as that trigger to to remind your brain and your body. Okay, just slow down. It's okay. We can just, we can always come back. They're all on my website, the details of which are in the show notes as always. And I would love for you to connect with me via social media. Details are again in the show notes. Thanks for listening this week. I can't wait to catch up with you again next time.